Play is so important because it is the child's activity of daily living. It's, it's essentially their occupation. It's how they learn about the world um, through interacting with their environment in the form of play is, is really how children um, learn how the world works. They begin to learn those even early science, technology, engineering, and math just by manipulating their world, problem solving, cause and effect, learning how things operate. Um, and it's just a really important part of how children sort of gain their knowledge and learn, learn how the world works and their impact on, on their environment. Um, I was able to sort of model for parents you know, how to bring them together, asking questions of one or the other, or including one child in the other child's play and get them to have a little bit more interaction, sort of to bring them to the next level of play, opening some doors for higher level problem solving and social skills. Word gap is a term used for when children do not hear language spoken to them by their parents and caregivers. So studies started back in the 60s with Hart and Risley where they found that children, um, typically, specifically children from low-income families, heard significantly fewer words than their peers, and that puts them behind for establishing their own vocabulary, which puts them behind with their um, academic and literacy, literacy skills as they start. Um, what we're finding more and more is it's not just low-income families. It's a, really a widespread issue across the board. Um, parents oftentimes aren't aware of how important it is that they speak to their babies before they're able to speak back and seemingly understand. Some parents just aren't that talkative. Um, a lot of children are put in uh, daycare or childcare situations where the caregiver only speaks Spanish or another language and parents prefer that they do not speak to their child because they only want them to learn English. So there's lots of situations that can cause this word gap, but essentially it is where children aren't getting the early language that forms the foundation for their own vocabulary. OT has a really important contribution in building literacy and bridging this gap because we work one-on-one -on -one with families. We're in their homes, we're down the floor with children in the clinics, we're with them as soon as they're born in the NICU. And we need to be informed that this issue exists. We need to educate parents through modeling and you know, teaching about the word gap and why it's an issue and why it's a potential um, detriment to the child. And we need to give parents ideas and ways that they can be talking and interacting with their child through play. Um, play is a great way to introduce language into the child's world because there's so many opportunities for parents to engage. They can narrate what the child's doing. They can narrate what they're doing as they're playing with the child. They can ask um, open-ended questions through play. Um, so depending on the child's age, there's lots of opportunities to incorporate language Oh my gosh, play is play is everything for children. I think play, uh, and certainly the uh, the World Health Organization supports it. it. It's an inherent part of our humanity. Play sets the stage, I believe, for um, all aspects of development. Through play, children learn how to move their bodies. They learn how to socialize. They learn the lessons of democracy. 
Um, they learn important cognitive skills. Certainly play can be very enriching to the sensory system. I think that without play, children's development is very, very significantly at risk for progressing in a, in a positive way. Play is the work of childhood. But after that event, the grandmother came up to our case manager and myself and told us the story and said, you know, when she was born, the doctors told us so many things that she wouldn't be able to do. She wouldn't be able to walk. She wouldn't be able to talk. She wouldn't be able to do all these things. And I know it looks simple, she said, but her doing that little activity and being successful at it, it made me think about when she was born and how far she's come and all the good work you guys have done and how hard she's working at this. And it got me really emotional, she said. And it was really a special moment. So um, that, to me, spoke spoke loudly about the power of, of play and leisure and rec activities and kind of the power of possibility and what, what kids can do when they have a chance and the right supports. And when we really design spaces that allow everybody to engage, we see true inclusion happen. So nobody stands out. Nobody really looks different. We're just all engaged in the activity together. So there are seven principles of universal design, uh, which have actually been around for quite a while. And more recently, there's been the development of, of eight goals, which uh, are newer. But if I look at the seven principles, which many people are familiar with, so there's equity, equitable use, flexibility in use, simple and intuitive, perceptible information, tolerance for error, low physical effort, and size and space for approach and use. Those are the seven principles. I think it has a lot of value. I think that play for some children can take them away from the everyday stressors that they're facing, like doctor's appointments, medications, medical mm -hmm. procedures, um, and just lets them be a kid. It lets them be a typical kid, and it can connect them to their peers it, it, something that they have in common instead of something that they have another difference. A lot of times these kids feel like they're different from their peers in so many ways. And play is one way where they can all be kind of the same. It is a part of what we learn um, as we enter the profession. All OTs have a knowledge of play and leisure development and the health benefits of play and leisure. And Play and leisure that are used by OTs to help children develop skills. So that's a traditional view. You know, OTs use play to develop fine motor skills or sensory processing or social skills. But also play is just a major life occupation. And we also use it to help reduce stress, say, in hospital settings um, and to promote overall well-being. So, you know, helping children have balance in their life, have fun. Um, and just enjoy life. University, I developed and have implemented a service learning initiative focusing on meeting the leisure needs and play needs of low-income urban youth in an after-school setting. So, you know, I began by studying the literature about children and youth living in poverty, and they're at risk for occupational deprivation. Many don't have access to or opportunities to engage in healthy leisure activities after school. And that's because structured leisure participation often involves money, 
you know, paying for dance lessons or sports or music lessons and parent transportation. So kids who live in poverty, um, often their parents can't afford it or they're working two jobs and they can't take them to lessons. Um, they're also dealing with chronic stressors um, associated with li living in um, some environments, uh, safety issues such as gang violence. And so many of the youth we work with um, are told to stay indoors after school. So there's a lot of disparities. So I developed the HOPE groups, um, Healthy Occupations for Positive Emotions. Um, this is an eight-week group um, that and the program that was um, developed and, and led by OT students. It's a service learning course, and it's offered at Friendly Inn Settlement House in Cleveland um, in an after-school program. So these groups are occupation-based groups that embed a social and emotional learning theme in each group. So helping children identify their feelings and think about how their feelings impact their behavior. And then each week, um, the OT students, as they lead these groups, we have co-leaders with about a group of six to eight children. Um, they engage the children in a healthy leisure activity. We do a lot of arts and crafts projects like painting, making mosaics, uh, doing leather stamping, paper mache, um, playing games like Jenga, doing puzzles, um, or even engaging them in drumming circles. So when OTs help children play and have fun or engage in an enjoyable leisure activity, we're helping them feel good emotionally which contributes to their mental health. And so one of the things that we do in our HOPE groups that I've talked about and, and working with children is we need to help children be aware and reflect on the fact that when they do something that they enjoy, engage in an activity that they enjoy or play, that can impact how they feel and function. So one of, we call that occupational reflection. So we can teach children if you're feeling kind of depressed or blue, think about an activity that you enjoy and engage in that, and, and that's really contributing to changing how your, your mental health. Um, so I think play is very powerful, play and leisure. 